Hi, everyone, and welcome to Talent Talks. I'm Rob Adams. On this episode, we're excited to be joined by Krista Morelli, partner at Diversa Partners. Ms. Morelli works diligently in building out the executive management teams for a number of the most disruptive consumer and enterprise technology startups in industry. On this episode, Ms. Morelli joins the show to discuss recruiting management teams for companies in different stages. She will touch on what to look for in a leader for a company looking to IPO and some of the challenges in placing those leaders. Ms. Morelli will also share how recruiting for a Series A company differs and some of the challenges they face. Kristen, how are you? Welcome to the show. I am great, Rob. It's, I'm thrilled to be here. It's great to meet you. This should be fun. Well, great to meet you as well. We love working with our friends at Diversa Partners, and let's dive right in. What are some of the key characteristics you are looking for when placing leaders at Series A companies, and what are the key challenges and demands to recruiting these leaders? Got it. So that's a, that's a great question. So I'm, I'm going to answer that with three categories because I think skill sets and characteristics are slightly different. And then I'll, I'll touch upon challenges a little bit as well. So, uh, the skill sets that I look for in an early stage finance leader, simply put, like, have they done it before? Have they implemented processes? Have they taken a company off of QuickBooks and implemented NetSuite? Uh, or will they need an army of individuals to do those things? Um, at an earlier stage, you need somebody that can roll up their sleeves, his or her sleeves and, and do that work and not have to hire four or five people to do that early stage process building. Um, in terms of characteristics, I would say, you know, can this person navigate through risk? Um, if that ambiguity is going to make them nervous, they won't be the right type of leader to make those big, bold bets and to help those companies seek and seize those opportunities. Um, I think probably at the early stage, even more than later stage, like, are they business first? Are they the individual that can take in all those demands and all of those needs and prioritize what the business actually should be doing? Or do they get lost in the minutia of all of the demands, all of the requests, and then start losing uh, the vision beyond beyond the next couple of quarters. Um, so I think that prioritization is just so important because there's so much opportunity early on that if you lose your way, you could you could take a wrong turn and spend years and quarters spending times in the wrong places. Um, so the other thing I'd say is I think for a Series A leader, even sometimes Series B, they just have to be comfortable with that blank canvas, um, and they have to be comfortable building from that early stage, helping the founder, helping the board really see that vision uh, and helping make those steps that are necessary early on to to realize that vision. And then I'd say from a, a challenges perspective, you know, what I see, this might sound funny, but I, I do see a lot of series A, early series B companies look for CFOs that can take them public. Um, oh, it'd be nice to have somebody with public company experience or IPO experience. I just think that that's, that's a waste of time, candidly. And, and truthfully, you should be more focused on, is this person the right person to get me through the next 18 to 24 months? Because without it, you don't get to worry about the IPO. So really, you got to focus on the next 18 to 24 months. And if they exceed beyond that, amazing. That's the cherry on top. But really hyper-focused on uh, what you need immediately. And then the very last thing I'll say, because this is just a passion point of mine, is 
you as a founder, as a CEO, as a board need to define your definition of growth. Are you growth at all costs? Is it acquiring new customers? Is it driving profitability and EBITDA margins? Because if you're all about growth and acquiring new customers and you hire the best CFO on planet earth, but their definition of growth is profitability, you're going to have a heartache. It's, it's not going to work out. It's not going to go well. You're fitting a square peg into a round hole. So I would say that that's the last piece I would say in terms of challenges, you just got to be cognizant of. We love hitting passion points on talent talk. So that, that was very well said. Uh, how do those characteristics differ from to leaders you would place at a company nearing an IPO? What are some of the key challenges and demands to recruiting these leaders? So in, in general, there's like a, there's a trio of characteristics that I look for in a CFO. It's can they execute? Can they operate? Are they strategic? The early stage CFO, man, they have got to be uh, like a 4.0 major in execution. Mm. And for me, the late stage CFO, they've got to be a dual major in strategy and operations. And sure, like they have to master the domain of FP&A. Yes, they, they should have run or worked very closely with investor relations. Yes, they, they should have taken a company public as a number one or a number two or at a minimum been at a public company to understand that cadence and the nuances of being a public company finance leader. Um, but I think more importantly, from a characteristic standpoint, like what I, what I really look for is can they connect the dots on how marketing and how product is, is telling the numbers? Most simply put, can they look at data and extract a story from that data? That's the difference. And, and a pre IPO CFO, needs to understand the data and and make it so simple that you and I can understand it. We can understand the story. We can understand where it's going. And they've made that simple for us. Um, and I think at the end of the day, they have to be able to do the 30,000 foot view roadmap, understand the strategy that will be required to get there, but also be the individual that when push comes to shove and times are tough, can they, can they dive deep on the philosophy of sales compensation planning? And if you haven't hit your OKRs, why can you diagnose it? Um, so that's the difference. Like it isn't, it is about execution, but they're going to have people on their teams that can do that. But when I look for that CFO that is going to, to guide a company through that, that murky water of becoming a public company, they've got to be unbelievable operationally and strategically. And I think more tactically, what I look for, meaning what do I look for in a LinkedIn? You know, I look for smart moves. Like I, I, have they taken on more responsibility? Have they focused their career around impact and influence? Have they articulated to me decisions that they've made and have a point of view around it? Are they using data to tell that story? So, um, I think the last piece that is unique to a later stage CFO is I love a healthy dose of skepticism. Like I love the CFO that can tell me about a story where a product leader couldn't hit a roadmap or a deliverable. And instead of just accepting it, they ask why. And they ask, what what could we change right now to help you unlock what you need to hit that deadline? Um, so they don't just take the status quo. They really, they're skeptical. They ask the questions. They seek out the data on their own. So I know that was a bit long-winded, but I think that's <laughs> the characteristics I think are a little bit different. 
Not long-winded at all. Well said. Uh, what are some of the key similarities and differences in finding effective leaders for companies in different stages? Discuss why the, they the, – the, let me rephrase that. Discuss why the companies need different types of leaders to get them through the different stages. Yeah, that's – it's such a good question. And and the best way I I can just simply state it is, like, I played basketball growing up. And you I, cover sports, right? Yep. So I was nothing special, by the way. So let's just put that out there, but we'll roll with the analogy for the sake of it. But, you know, if you played a sport or a musical instrument, there are coaches that taught you technique. They taught you form and they made sure that the systems that you were developing were setting you up for success. And then later in life came coaches and mentors that helped you read the defense and helped you call an audible when it wasn't in the playbook, helped you understand the rhythm of the game. Neither are more important than the other. If your end goal is to be a pro athlete or be a public company, um, they don't exist without the other, but they're very different and they have very different strengths and, and often very different weaknesses. And so what I tend to look for, if there is a common denominator in both um, outside of the stuff that I've mentioned already, it's like, you know, are they a leader that um, other individuals can get behind? Do they partner and collaborate really well cross-functionally? Um, you know, in the, in the situation of a public company, do they have experience with external stakeholders? But it's kind of similar in an earlier stage business where your stakeholders are the board. You still have to have that reciprocity, that respect, the ability to, to get people on your side of the aisle. Um, I think, CFOs, regardless of the stage and scale, they have to be individuals that seek a single source of truth. Um, they have to be the individual that can see around corners and help accelerate and unstick problems within the organization. And they've got to have that point of view that they can back up with the data and the numbers. And so that those to me are those that Maslow's hierarchy of needs that exists in any CFO, regardless of the stage or scale of the company. Is there a bigger candidate pool for one of these companies versus the other? And are you looking to specific industries or backgrounds to place leaders in these companies? So the short answer is no. I think, I think both candidate pools are equally tough, in my opinion. Um, I do think founders can fall into a trap of thinking that every single CFO search is created equally. It's, it's a wash, rinse, repeat exercise. I don't think that's the case. Like at Diversa, we really do pride ourselves on doing everything in our power to, to take a really bespoke approach to every single search. Um, so yes, of course there are placements where I have made a marketplace finance leader work really well at a new marketplace finance company. I have taken fintech leaders and put them into fintech companies and enterprise software leaders into enterprise software companies. Um, but there's just as many examples of outside of the box or orthogonal placements. And the examples I can give would be, you know, I worked for a really well-known um, large public company, fintech company, well-known founder, and his philosophical beliefs were every single executive that he brought into his organization needed to have a power alley in their function, but also needed to have an appreciation and a want for ideation of product. And so majors and minors come into play a lot of times in finance searches. And in that example, we needed a finance major with somebody that cared about product as a minor. And we, we didn't get this person from FinTech. We got them from gaming. 
Um, but they had spent time and as a product manager early in their career, and that was the right thing for the right company. And so I think the role of, of a sophisticated exec search partner is hearing what your client needs. And oftentimes it's not what they're telling you. It's, it's what you're evaluating and hearing and seeing in between the lines. And so, um, you know, we've placed media executives successfully at enterprise software businesses. We have placed, you know, individuals direct from investment banking, like the Goldman Sachs of the world. We've placed them from unbelievable strategic places like KKR Capstone, that they were just the best problem solver for that organization. There was a culture fit and it worked. And those are all examples of individuals that have been there for several years. So it does work and you can't just, you're doing yourself a disservice if you try to apply a cookie cutter approach to a CFO search. Kristen, do you require leaders to have experienced in a previous IPO when placing them into another company looking to IPO? And how does past industry experience and experience with IPOs impact the recruiting process? Yeah. So I touched upon some of it. So forgive me if I repeat myself, but. Oh, right ahead. You know, I, I think that an IPO process can be learned. I think you select bankers and you select world-class lawyers and they guide you through a process. I think what I look for, so the short answer is, no, I don't require IPO experience for a pre-IPO company. Um, but I do look for ingredients. Like I, I look for maybe a number two that's done it, that was part of the journey and maybe wasn't on the road show, but helped prep for it. Um, or the individual that never did the road show, but has been the right hand to the CFO prepping for earnings calls and understands the cadence of that public company. Um, if they have experience with investor analyst callbacks and have had to be the voice and the spokesperson for an organization, all of those ingredients matter, but none of them matter unless you evaluate the company. And so what I specifically mean by that is, has your CEO taken a company public before? Because if they have, all of a sudden it matters a little bit less if your CFO has been in the room before. Um, do you have an amazing audit chair? that is super involved and wants to mentor somebody because all of those levers release pressure from have they taken a company public as a number one before. So um, the short answer is no, I don't think you need it. I can think of a handful of examples of individuals that are like world-class CFOs that everyone wants on their short list that didn't do an IPO until they did their first IPO. So I think there's a lot of examples of that, but I think it's a, it's a provocative question and people definitely fall on different sides of the aisle on that one. So help me wrap all of this up. What are your final thoughts as we begin to finish? So my final thoughts would be, it's been an interesting 18 months in the world of CFO because we saw a tremendous SPAC craze. We saw a pandemic that brought businesses to a screeching halt or accelerated them in ways that we've never seen before. And so for CFOs, it's been a really tired, tiring two years. Um, I have a lot of CFO candidates that I love and adore who simply put tired. They're like, man, I get, I get 15 inbounds a week and it becomes really hard to sift through the noise of those opportunities. Um, you know, at the same time, because of all of this unrest, CFOs, they have a fiduciary responsibility whether to their private company investors or their public company shareholders, they can't, they can't walk. 
Um, if you're a private company, and I don't think this will be the case anymore because it's not January of 2020, but if you've got nothing in revenue and you want to go through a SPAC, don't do that. CFOs don't want that call. Um, so I just think it's been an interesting time. Uh, and the last piece I will leave you with is uh, sort of a PSA to any future clients out there that if you're looking for a CFO that you view the role being a bean counter or, hey, don't buy those laptops. It's too expensive. I'm going to, you know, police the budget. That CFO has gone. Like, don't, don't think that that's what you're bringing into your organization because the new world order of CFOs, they're unlocking where you're stuck. They're accelerating your growth. They are your operational and strategic right hand to help you see around corners that will be the difference between a good company and a great company. And so that would be my, my call to action. Really value the role that the right person can play. And now we're going to get you back out in the basketball court. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Maybe not basketball. I play a mean game of force. The basketball <laughs> might be behind me. There we go. Kristen, thank you so much for coming on the show today to share your experience in recruiting for some of the most disruptive startups. Great to talk with you. Thanks for your time. You as well, Rob. Thanks so much for having me. That's all the time we have here today on our show. Alongside Kristen Morelli of Diversa Partners, I'm Rob Adams, and this has been Talent Talks. Talks.